Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Thoughts and Transitions. This is episode two, but it might be the best episode yet. We have a very special guest in the building for you today, the one and only Jerry Lee. Jerry, how are you feeling? I just say, I am so humbled and honored to be here. I've had the pleasure of knowing Shani for what? Four years? Three years? Three, four? Yeah, I think about that actually. That's right. Yeah, it's been a crazy journey getting to know you and i've had the pleasure of knowing porlaji for 48 hours 24 hours yes it's a pleasure it's a pleasure to be for with sure, you here yeah. again for sure for sure for sure good to see you jerry good to see you uh for all our listeners tuning in today just we have a very packed episode for you today we're going to be talking everything from personal finances to careers to startup to content creation there's just there's a lot of goodness in this episode. I mean, if you don't already know who Jerry is, you might want to stay for the next, you know, 30, 45 minutes on this journey and enjoy with us. Apology, what's going on? Man, I cannot even just stress. Just what I've learned in the past 48 hours almost has been amazing. I mean, this dude's track record is simply just one for the books, right? Guys, you certainly don't want to miss this at all. Like, Jerry... First of all, thank you. Welcome to Thoughts and Transitions. We really, really appreciate you spending time with us today. And hopefully we get to share with our audience as well uh, what exactly it is that you do, how you do it, and how you've been able to be so successful and maintain this level of resilience and persistence all across the board. So again, pleasure to be here. Of course. I'm very excited to be here. For sure. And before, you know, before we dive into all the goodness, you know, there's a very, we have a very polarizing question that we want to ask that we, that we need to start with, you know, mm. and it's, it's, it's Balaji's thought, so I'll let him do it. All right, all right, all right. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. And this one is, it's like an icebreaker almost, right? So we're just going to start. New York City versus California, right? So Jerry, you were raised in Torrance, California, and now you live in New York City. That's right. Which one do you like living in the most and why if you're less than 30 years old you got to be in the city the city is just so different i remember before i was in before i was in new york city i'd visit 10 15 times and every time i meet somebody they're like yo jerry you should move into the city i'm like why they're like for the vibe <laughs> like that was the vibe what does that mean like that doesn't tell me anything they're like that's the vibe you gotta come out here i'm like all right but now i get it so to anyone thinking if you want to move to new york and you ask why the vibe the vibe you know, i thought that would be a harder question but it looks like it's new york hands down yeah so that's not even a doubt no nah, that's fun that's fun and you know we have you here today with us you know on friday on a good friday and you do a lot of things I'm curious. I'm sure the audience is curious. People that know you and see you on social media and everywhere, they might wonder, what does Jerry do on the weekends? What does Jerry like doing? You know, what brings you joy? For sure. So what I'm doing this weekend is I'm probably, my weekends are just filled with friends. So I'm a huge, huge extrovert and I need to see a wide array of friends for me to feel energized, for me to feel grounded. And that's the way I decompress. So tonight I'm going out to a friend's uh, birthday party. Tomorrow I'm going to an art gallery in Dumbo with a, another friend. And that 
evening, I have a birth, another birthday dinner with uh, a Babson friend. And on Sunday, I have a four hour content shooting session with someone who's a videographer, a, a buddy of mine. And I think I have a dinner planned on Sunday. So that's pretty much my entire weekend. I love it packed. I love it filled with people because that's what brings me joy. Oh, wow. The the range, you know, just, you know, from content to friends. The one lesson I learned already that, you know, I think the listeners should learn is have a lot of friends so you can go to a lot of dinners. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. That's it. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. But let's go. Let's Okay, let's go to Young Jerry, you know. Let's talk a little bit about Young Jerry. To it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, Jerry, your family was the first in your family tree to move to the United States from Korea, right? That's right. Let's talk about that for a second. How was that transition? And, you know, what do you remember in your early years in the U.S.? Yeah. So, I moved to the U.S. when I was a baby. And so, my recollections of Korea are just very limited when I was growing up. The only, Funny enough, the only memory I have is, and it was traumatizing in a funny way. So I remember my brother and I were out at a park at a picnic with my, with my parents. And my brother, I, I remembered it distinctly. I was holding on a leash and my brother was right behind me holding on the leash with me. And for some reason, we had a goat attached to the leash. And the goat just started <laughs> running around in circles. And then I was, I was super afraid because I was like, oh my God, I can't let go. And I started crying. So that was the, that's the only recollection I have of kindergarten Jerry or baby Jerry. Wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? That, that's yeah. certainly not what I was hoping to hear, but <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a good one. That's, that, that's, quite, that's quite surprising. But, you know, Jerry, if you think about, you know, that baby Jerry that, you know, is holding onto a leash and it's not trying to let it go because it doesn't know what's going to happen to the goats, blah, blah, blah. It's like now, you know, fast forward last year, you're Forbes 30 on that 30, you know. That's right, yeah. Did you always have this huge ambition from when you were young? You know, was it something that you met people? Was it family influence? Like, where did this drive come from? Yeah, so uh, growing up, so that was a fun little tangent there. But and I, in more seriousness, my I remember growing up um, in the LA area, and that's where my parent family immigrated to from South Korea. And growing up, finances were really tough in my household. I remember that uh, my parents would, I would wake up in the middle of the night to my parents debating as to whether or not we should move back to South Korea, uh, because finances were tight, and. As a result, I remember growing up, my parents would always tell me, Jerry, your main job is to just go to school and do well there. Our job is to figure out how we can figure out staying here and live life here in the States. We'll figure that part out. And I was really, th- I was really thankful for that because that always told me and had my head straight on like, all right, my priority is for me to do as well as I possibly can in school. So that once I got into school, I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to be financially independent from my parents. I'm not going to think about requesting a single dollar from them. If anything, I'm going to give money back to them because for all the investments that they made into me, now let's figure out how I can make that happen. So starting from my adolescent years to my college years, I've always had this notion of like, I need to take care of myself. I need to be independent and I need to figure it out because I don't have a backup plan. And 
I think that residual sort of push still goes, still pushes for forward for me today, because I always think about, okay, well, my parents have pretty much given up their 20, 25 years, really like doing the best they can to try to eat, allow me to have a shot at the American dream, at the quote unquote American dream. So I'm super thankful for that. And I recognize our sacrifice. And so one of the things I want to do and one of my life goals is to retire them at, a, at an age where they can still be mobile, that they can you know, travel and go see the world because they weren't able to do that for the past 25 years. Wow. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, that's even something that we're going to get to talk about today. You know, the preface yeah. of us being here today is personal finance. And, you know, we're going to talk about your personal finance journey and then more importantly, your content creation mastery as well. Because, I mean, you've blown up exponentially over the past <laughs> couple of years. And so, Shani, are you going to chime in and then get into that? I, love, I, know, I just love it's, it's what you just said. It's, it's very interesting to me because I just had that realization like maybe three years ago when I was just thinking about how much, you know, you, I think when you're growing up, at least for me, I know like, you know, similar segment, you know, your parents make sacrifices for you. They want the best for you and they tell you to focus on, you know, education, college, you know, go study abroad and all of that. But it's just, it's remarkable when you grow older, you start to think about, you know, the sacrifices that they made and how much they had to give up to, you know, for you to be in the position that you're in today. So it's just, you know, here you say you want to retire them. And I like that part of like, you know, when they're still mobile and enjoy themselves and can travel, it's just it's super fun. But when yeah. you talk about, you know, you talk about one important thing as well to when we're talking about that story about just like, you know, finances were tight and like, you know, you had to figure all of this out. Was there like a lesson or did you learn from like, you know, either your mom or your dad or was it just like, a, you know what, I'm going to figure this out and it was just trial and error or, you know, how did you learn more about just, you know, okay, getting better with finances, what to do with finances, how to make money, keep money, all that good stuff. Yeah, it's a really good question because I remember going through college and I remember I had like $200 in my bank account and that was all the money I had saved up from high school and my parents helped me open up a bank account and I had 200 bucks. And so I remember the first dinner I had with my two roommates, we ended up spending $28 for italian pasta and i thought to myself like holy crap like i just dropped a dime on this freaking casual meal <laughs> and so that made me realize i was like because i was like oh my god like that was the kind of money that we would spend on like special occasions yes for for our family yes. right so i remember um thankfully one of my friends introduced me to reddit and one of the subreddits that he introduced me to was personal finance. So when I was a freshman, I was starting to read up on this and I read stories of, oh, I'm a teacher making $15,000, $25,000 a year at X city and I'm $50,000 in debt. What do I do? And I was thinking to myself, man, like if these people, and I read through these stories and I'm like, oh, if these people can do it, well, I should be able to figure it out too. Exactly. So slowly but surely, I would just read Reddit for a year and until I began to be a little bit more aware of personal finance, budgeting, and you compound that over four years of me learning about this in college that once I got into, started working, I was like, all right, 
how do I max out my 401k? How do I max out my HSA, my IRA? And Shane knows this very well because we <laughs> talked about this for like a year, year and a half. <laughs> you know, no, that's the way you were saying it. I was just, I was smiling throughout because I was like, oh, that's how you found Reddit. Because if there's one thing Jerry's going to do is send you a Reddit link when we talk about <laughs> 401k. Jerry will always send me a Reddit link. And I'm just like, ah, okay. So I see the background of like, you know, where that comes from and how you got that. But no, that's great. That's I think right. it's the biggest thing that you said that stood out to me is just you being able to just be like, oh, if they can do it, why can't I? Like, it's, it's amazing that you just always had that mentality of like, you know, I'm the only one here. I'm going to go get it. I'm going to go do that. So, you know. Same way it is for content creation, I think, you know, like you started creating content maybe around like, I don't know, earlier years, but I know when we met some in early 2020, you know, the content creation was just taking up. You were just getting consistent with that. How do you get comfortable? You know, I think that's the biggest question I've always had for you is how have you gotten comfortable just sharing your life with, you know, what people would say is strangers on the internet, like, you know, all these personal things you just told us now about your upbringing and like, you know, finances being tight. How do you get that confidence or willingness to want to share all of this with people? So I've been creating content on LinkedIn now for five or six years now. And so, (laughs) which is kind of wild to think about, right? Because when people are like, oh, LinkedIn, LinkedIn influencers, and like, there's a, there's this concept now, right? But that's only come up in the past two years. So we were, John, my co-founder and I, we've been creating content for so much longer than that. And I remember the first time I shared something, um, and I, it was either me being burnt out from my job or from me getting rejected from a company I really wanted to work at. It just hit people. And I remember I got like 10,000 likes on it. And at the time, getting 10,000 likes was like, oh my God, like that is insane. And that's when I soon began to realize, oh, maybe people like me being a little bit more authentic and not just showing the glamorous side of things. So I was like, all right, now let me share a little bit more about myself. And slowly but surely, inch by inch, and I just began to share my entire life story with the world. And I think for me, the biggest thing that I want of the biggest mindset shift that I had was I used to think growing up that, damn, it's such a shitty situation that I'm born into a family that's living on food stamps. It's so shitty that my friends get to go on flights and visit their family in Nebraska or Boston or New York. And I'd never flown on flight prior to me being 18 years old that I was thinking to myself, like, dude, this that sucks. But the other way that you could look at it is to being, hmm, okay, well, definitely that means that I need to be smarter about my finances. I need to be smarter about my priorities. And when it does happen, when these two big milestones do come up, it just tastes that much better. It's just that much sweeter for you to go, damn, like I bought a flight for myself and I'm going on this vacation because I've earned it. And that sort of built this personality and this personality trait of like, I can literally figure out anything. If you tell me like someone's dying on the kitchen floor, maybe I don't know if I can figure that out in that time there. But if you give me enough time, I have the confidence that I can figure it out. That somehow, some way over the next, if you had, if I had months to figure it out, I absolutely would give you an answer of how to revive this person. Mm. So that to me is sort of how my mindset shifted from, okay, well, like, how do I, you know, what type of content should I share? sharing a little bit of content about myself and now fully sharing my 
life story online and how that now manifests into me having this confidence of figuring out anything. Yeah, that's beautiful. You know what I mean? The confidence is, is, is just key. Like, you know, you have it out. Like, the confidence is key. And for me, like, I think I, I tell, I've told you this before, and I just keep saying, for you just creating content, you know, consistently for like five to six years is wild. I mean, like you said, influencer before the word influencer was even a thing. But also, you know, it's just, it's not just the good, but it's the, is the bad you know i've seen you you know share just you know i remember just the series you did with your girlfriend that you were just talking about you know her getting laid off to getting a job and like you know how you just kind of always show that journey so it's not just the result of kind of what comes a lot of times it's always the journey which i think is the most impactful thing and you know maybe it's a testament to why people still react to your content six years later you know who knows (laughs) yeah no for sure that's that's relevant and like yeah the whole like girlfriend um showing my girlfriend's story to me was an opportunity for me to like show people that like yo like i just don't want to just share my strategies with you i don't want to say here do you do your resume like this nah i'm going to show you exactly how someone very personal to me and means a lot to me how they've been able how we can apply to their strategy and i'm going to show you their process online and also prove to you that like yo like it's brutal out there. And let me show you an example of a brutal story where my girlfriend's offer letter gets rescinded after she's on 40 interviews, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And I guess even talking about that, right? Your brother, you have a younger brother as well. How's that? Older brother. An older brother. I apologize. Older brother, yes. Yeah. So no, it's all good. how does that relationship look like in terms of things that you're doing now? You know, you guys talking about the different things that you get to do your day-to-day how does that relationship work and look now yeah so um you guys told me that you would ask me a question that like no one has ever asked me and nobody has ever asked me about my brother so we win yeah you guys have done it (laughs) wow that's that's crazy that you guys are asking me about my brother um so uh my brother and i are complete opposite people in a sense that my brother is very introverted. He's very risk adverse. He knows what he likes and he likes sticking to what he knows and likes. Whereas for me, I want to see the world, man. Like I want to try new things. Like for example, I want to go do a singing class, not because I think I'm good at singing or I want to be a singer just because I've never done it before. And I just want to see if I'll enjoy it. So in that sense, we are on the opposite sides of the spectrum of just personality types and everything. I think the way that my brother has sort of played a role in my upbringing and the role that he plays now in my life, which is very different because growing up, my brother was very academic, very studious. In a lot of ways, he was my tutor. He would be the person who teaches me these concepts about calculus or physics that I just didn't get. But also he is the one who really inspired my passion for technology and being interested in that. Cause I remember he would be the guy who'd be like, all right, I remember growing up in middle school, my parents would take would add a password onto our computer so we couldn't log in. So what, what, what my brother ended up finding is that on Windows XP, if your password, if your computer has a password, you can do, you can like log, like boot on the boot, like go onto the bootloader or, or something. And essentially like, there's like an admin panel that you can access. And once you're on the admin panel, you can temporarily remove the password on an account. So the fact that he was able to figure that out in third grade and the fact that I was able to witness this when I was in kindergarten and first grade 
made me realize like holy crap like he can he just this dude's smart like he's figured it out and then as soon as he like and as soon as my parents upgraded their os he linux at the time was just starting up as like a open source uh operating system and they would send you free cds of their of their operating system so he figured out a way for us to get shipped a, a cd of of linux on the operating system on a CD and we could op we can pretty much boot a computer on the off of the CD so we don't have to log into Windows anymore. And this is maybe fourth or fifth grade when he was when he was doing this stuff. Wow. Wow. So, <laughs> so in a lot of ways he's inspired a lot of like my my thinking of damn like I like every time my parents tried to get us not to use a computer, he helped us figure out a solution for us to use the computer, you know? Wow. I don't know if you've ever told your parents this story, but if they ever hear this podcast, now they will I will never tell them. They'll be like, "What well, you did? What?" Yeah. yeah. Oh man, that's that's great. That's great. Well, shout out to Budge for the plug, you know, for making us win this halfway yeah, into this. For sure. But Darren, we, we we talked about you know earlier just about the confidence about how you know you were reading, you were looking at Reddit, and you were like, "Oh, if they can do it, sure I can." It takes me to you know. Let's talk about Google for a little bit. You know. Mm-hmm. We've talked about, you know, coming from the university you come from, you know, which people would refer to as probably non-targets mm-hmm. and not a lot, maybe you're the first or one of the first people from your school to ever go to Google. You can tell us about that or, you know, correct us which number you were. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. How do you get the confidence to be like, you know, I can do it? Like, I think in my time, I've met a lot of people that, you know, they talk about, oh my God, you work at this company or that company. Like, oh, is it easy to get into? Is it hard to get into? So for someone that's in a place where you haven't seen a lot of people do it, or maybe nobody, what gives you the confidence that like, you know what, I can do this? So I was one of the, I think I was the first intern at Google for my school and the first non-sales or marketing person to work or, and the first person to work in a non-sales or marketing capacity because sales and marketing had like rotational programs. And I think maybe one or two people might've joined out of college before me, but I was in an analytics role, analytics and project management role um, as my first role at Google. So anyways, um, I think the, so to preface here, during my freshman year, that was a time when I was like, man, I, I need to earn money so I can start going to Chipotle with my friends. So <laughs> I started working, right? Like it was real. Like I, dude, I did not have, have anything. And so I started working more and working more on campus jobs. And by the time I was ending my freshman year, I did three on campus internships so that I could work like 15 or 20 hours a week so I could make more money. And no matter how many hours I worked, no matter how much additional money I had, I always saw my bank account drop down to like 150, 200 bucks. My spending would rise with it, right? So I thought to myself, there has to be a better way. So that's when I started applying to internships my sophomore year. So every single semester, my fall, spring, and summer for my sophomore year, I interned at a company working at least 20 to 30 hours a week. So for example, on my sophomore year, second semester, and up until my until until I graduated, I would structure my classes where I have classes two days a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays, at 8, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., back to back. Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays, I'd wake up at 6, go into the office by 7, 30, 8, work eight-hour shifts, go back home six, seven-ish, eat dinner, gym, homework, clubs, all that. And I did that for three years. The reason I'm sharing this is because for you to get an internship every single semester and every, so that means fall, spring, and summer, you basically need to get into the habit of just applying to jobs constantly and interviewing nonstop. So during my college career, I'm pretty sure I've 
interviewed at over 200 companies. Because for every semester, I would interview anywhere from 20 to 50 companies. And then it would get me to like five to 10 final rounds and three to four offers. And so when Google's uh, application came up, I remember I was like, there's absolutely no way I'm going to get this. And I remember it came up on like Handshake or something. But I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to just try to apply. And I remember they tried to ask me like, what's your favorite, favorite Google product? And I literally wrote Google Calendar because I can't live without it. And then I got an interview. <laughs> right? Like I... I literally didn't even care. Like, I was like, no way I'm going to get get an interview, right? Like, I'm going to just toss my hat in the ring because it's just like one click. They asked me a goddamn question. This before ChatGPT existed. So I couldn't write ChatGPT and like run it to give me a complex answer. Yeah. I just wrote, I love, I love Google Calendar. And somehow I got an interview. So I wish that I could tell you that this was all part of like an elaborate story of like how I felt confident enough to start networking and nah. It was purely just out of uh, out of convenience. It was here. Let me click apply. It's another question. Fuck it. I'm gonna just give a one sentence summary because I I don't know what else to put. Hmm. I mean, that in itself is something. You know, I, one of my one of my favorite quotes in life is "Closed mouths don't get fed," and mm. it's similar to that because it's like if you don't try, like you will never know. Like you you currently don't have it anyways, so you might as well throw your hat in the ring, which is what you did. And you know, it's just. It takes some type of mindset to still do that, to still just, you know, you could have just closed the laptop and been like, you know what? Yeah, Google's not for me. And maybe we're not having this conversation today. That's so fact, Shani. Like, that's so true. Because even I remember when I was a college senior, I didn't apply to any school that I think I I didn't think I was going to get into. Like, I didn't try for like a Harvard, like a Yale. Like, I truly believe that I was like, no way I would ever even remotely get it. No way I'm going to get the Bill Bill Gates Millennium Scholarship. No way I'm going to be a Coke Scholar. I didn't apply to any of them because I was like, I'm I'm probably shitty. Like, I'm not a good candidate. But in hindsight, like, I, even if it was just me just reusing a college application essay and just applying, I should have done that anyways. Like, because what do I have to lose? Nothing. Absolutely you know? nothing. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. You know. And if you think about it, like if you if you have a two percent shot of getting in to whatever anything that you do, you just crank up the the number of times you do it. You do four hundred, eight hundred, thousand times. You've now five x your output with a two percent acceptance rate. I, That's it. I love the way this guy thinks already. Like Shaney, thank you for <laughs> thank you for bringing this man in here. There is no way that you guys are not going to get that and take it and write. And run with it because that is right there a gem. And look, I mean, this is you know, I'm, I'm glad that everyone you know gets exposed to hopefully this podcast because this is this is what I get to enjoy. I would I would love to keep Jerry to myself and like no, I just want to <laughs> but let's let's leave it out there. Oh, that's that's nice. So that's beautiful. And now, see, Jerry, it's it's interesting. You know, we go from you not you know okay, let's let's just apply to Google. Let's see what happened. Now you get into Google. And you're having success promoted twice and you know what life is going good you could stay there and just keep doing what you're doing but then you leave it's like wait what but you leave to an even better role where you're the youngest person leading a strategy team at lucid and it's just yeah. like oh my god that's insane life is getting better and you know what you do jerry you'd be like you know what how about i just stop doing what working and what is amazing success <laughs> let me go do the hardest thing one of the hardest things that people can do be a startup co-founder and now Sultan is doing what it's doing like what what makes you make a decision like that why 
yeah. So I think at every that every step that I took in my career, I think I've come to terms with one thing that realistically you can only solve for one variable at a time every time you make a career move. Whether that's compensation, whether that's an increased scope, whether that's being a manager, and so on and so forth. So you really, if you truly believe that, when I first got to Google, the number one most important thing, man, I wanted to maximize compensation so I could pay down my student debt and help my parents buy a house. Cool. Did that. The next thing I was like looking for, I was like, all right, I need to make enough money, but I don't need to maximize my compensation anymore. The most important thing for me is I want upward mobility. I now want to start building out and managing my entire org team. Cool. I lucid. I got that opportunity. And then as soon as I realized, man, this isn't as glamorous as I thought it was going to be because it dies down very quickly. That's when I was like, well, what, what are the other things that matter most to me? And that to me was like, I just want to try to build something myself. So at the time, that was my thought process. And that was my like key decision-making criteria. And one of the pieces of advice that my manager or my old manager at Google gave me when I was making that decision, he was like, the most important thing that you need to do is to think about, of course, yourself, your finances, but give yourself a deadline and say, I'm going to do this for six months, 12 months, 18 months. And if I don't hit XYZ business benchmarks, then I'm pulling the plug. And that's exactly what I did. I gave myself six to 12 months for me to try this thing out. Thankfully, somehow, some way, it just kept exploding and it kept uh, growing as, as something. And my personal passion has only exponentiated since the moment that we started this, that it just kept taking off all the right boxes for me. So that was my mindset shift of like of every step of my career, compensation, growth opportunities, and now wanting to build something. Yeah. And then when you now throw it in there, you are a co-founder, right? So finding people who are trustworthy is actually very hard, right? You need to play a long-term game, try and get to know the person sure. first. But Jonathan, right? Jonathan is, again, your partner in this. How exactly did you guys come together and what did you see in him that gave you that confidence that, you know what, this is something I'm going to go with, with this guy. So Jonathan at the time, when we, so how we met was we actually met on LinkedIn. <laughs> LinkedIn. Yeah. No way, Jerry. Again, is everything. Yeah, this dude DM me on LinkedIn. Uh, I remember I saw his profile. This was maybe six or seven years ago. Okay. And he, uh, was posting on LinkedIn at the time and was one of the first younger millennial Gen Z content creators on LinkedIn. And he would post about doing workshops and talking about resumes and stuff. And I love talking about this even throughout college. So I, was, I remember I looked at his profile and the day after I looked at his profile, the dude sent me a personalized invite. I was like, yo, Jerry, thanks so much for looking at my profile. I appreciate it so much. We'd love to get to connect. It looks like we have some mutual connections. So the dude literally lived, he breathed LinkedIn strategy from seven years ago when it wasn't a thing to think about networking and all that. The dude literally manifested it himself and decided to share it with the world. And that's sort of been the basis of one salting, right? Of like, how do you network? How do you find people that want to help you? And so on and so forth. So when I first met John, that, that was essentially how we met. So um that was that and i remember at the time john was actually doing services so like at the time he was doing workshops 
and people would hit him up to be like, hey, like John, can you do my resume for me? He's like, sure. Um, and he already had a small operation going. And I thought to myself, like, dude, like, this is exactly what I wanted to start anyways. Like, yo, why don't we just try to like join forces? Cause we were both creating content. We were both doing workshops together. Right. And we were essentially doing this thing in parallel. And we're like, why don't we just come together? So that's what we did. Uh, and being the very pessimistic guy that I am, there were a lot of times when I was like, all right, like, how do I build trust with you? Like now that, now that there's money involved, how do we make sure that we have checks and balances? But that's one of the things that I think John has made it very easy for me. And that has fundamentally changed the way I think about people is John absolutely wears his heart on his shoulders where like he is, he's exactly what you get on the screen and even behind closed doors. He is probably one of the most honest and principled guys I've ever met in my life. And over time, he's just proven that to me over and over and over and over again. That's at a point where it's like, like I would literally trust John Jonathan with anything in my life. Like if I, if he was like, Hey, like, uh, like I need, I need to crash at your place for a month because whatever, whatever. And, and I, and I wasn't at my place. I like without a doubt. Sure. And I know that for a fact that like he would leave it better than he, than he, than he found it. So it was through his actions that built up my confidence and built up my insecurity of not being open to trust people at face value yeah. that made me realize like this dude is someone I can work with for the rest of my life. Wow. That's so amazing, man. And thank you for sharing. Shout out to Jonathan, man. Shout out to Jonathan. Dude, shout out to John, <laughs> my boy. Now, now we need Jonathan next year. We need That's him next right. year. Yeah, and Shenny, I think John is the reason why we met. Yeah, I was, no, I literally was about to say and like, you know, Bology, like, Fun fact, when he said Jonathan leaves and breathes LinkedIn, I was thinking to myself, like, that's so right. Because yeah. here's how myself and Jonathan met this one too, is I was posting on LinkedIn. I think he was posting on LinkedIn. And I was just creating a little bit of content. And he'd comment on my post. I'd comment on his post. And he literally hit me up like, hey, dude, we've been commenting on each other's posts back and forth. Great stuff yeah, that you're yeah. doing. Great stuff I'm doing. You know, we should connect one of these days, literally. And... I think in like a week or two weeks on a Saturday, we were having a call at like 12 p.m., which I almost missed or he almost missed because of something. And then from there, life just took off and we just got to know each other. And then it introduced me to Jerry. And like, here we are today. So it's just it's insane, which is why sometimes when I preach LinkedIn to people, they think I'm an ambassador. Of LinkedIn. <laughs> well, hey, it's because, you know, relationships like this, that you, you know, people like this that you meet. And it's just, it's insane to think about, you know, Jerry sends one message, Jonathan sends one message to Jerry, you know, Jonathan sends one message to me, and, you know, four or five years later, we're all on a pod today, and it's just, you know, For sure. exponentially, it just keeps getting better, so it's, it's insane, it's insane. Yeah, sure. and I guess the biggest takeaway for me now is that I need to get on LinkedIn more too, right? Oh, because 100%. Then again, then again exactly, I mean, for our listeners, the one thing you can hear from this is to get into the spaces where you're trying to get to, you have to surround yourself with the like minds, the like minded people who are going to put you and identify you as someone who is doing something similar to what they're doing. So real, real, real shout out to Shaney, Jonathan, and of course, Jerry. Plug in immediate bars. Yeah. Now, let's, let's talk about consulting. You talked about how consulting is, you know, consulting is doing amazing now. You know, before you had a six month benchmark or nine month, but now it's doing great. You have helped thousands of people. Like, 
I wish it was an exaggeration because people exaggerate, but it literally is thousands of people. That you <laughs> if you if you had to pick a story of like one person or just one, you know, scenario where you create an opportunity for someone, like you know, what success story comes to mind that embodies just you know one sultan underdog into winner's story? I would say um, the one example that comes to mind is I remember there was a a PhD. Research or just PH, a person was pursuing their PhD on the way that children learn. I think mm. something along those lines. And I remember we were, we were working together, and he was like, "Yo, Jerry, like this is not it for me. Like I'm year three, four into this, and I'm not. I don't want to finish my PhD because this is not like through my research. I realized I'm not passionate about this. Mm. Wow. Like, am I screwed? And I was like, "Damn, like, well, first, no, you're not. But damn, like the fact that you're." you've been at something for three, four years and now you realize, yo, this is not it. Like that's a, that's really hard, especially if something as niche as researching how students learn. Correct. Super niche. And I remember I was like, all right, well, why don't we talk about this? Instead of you talking about and thinking of yourself as someone who's doing their PhD, why don't we actually just break down what does it mean when you're a PhD student? Like, do you research? Do you do analysis? Like, what are the things about your job that you actually like? And he was like, oh, you know, so I definitely do a bunch of qualitative and quantitative research. I do my own experiments and X, Y, Z. And I was like, dang, a lot of this stuff sounds like UX research. And I was like, have you ever heard of that? I feels like, oh, no, I haven't really heard of it. Worked together. Three months later, the dude joined AT&T as a UX researcher. That to me was probably one of the most impactful examples that I still hold true to myself because it told me two things. It told me that one, the work that we're doing is important. And this was very early with One Sultan. So this is when John and I were working with clients one-on-one. And the second thing that this told me was this told me that the, the work that we do is so important and needed. And had we not been there for that person, you know, not saying that we changed our lives or anything. By no means, yeah. they did all the work. Yeah. But if had we not helped steer and influence even a little bit of their thought process of their job search, where would they be today? And how much longer would they have been in that position for them to just be unhappy in their role? So that's probably the biggest thing that it taught me of just like, how do we enable people? How do I prove to myself that the service is actually valuable to people in the world, how do I know that it's necessary? And that example is what's that about? Yes, yes. And I'll say, I mean, there's so many people out here who are going through their own transitions in whatever shape or form that is. And it's okay. It's okay to say halfway through the journey that I don't think this is what I anticipated. This was what it would be, right? And it's also appreciated when you're able to find people who are able to help you. So you being a resource for someone else, but them also gaining a different perspective, that's something that's so profound and genuine. That, that's, that's so true. And what you were mentioning around, like, you're never stuck in your decision. This applies to quite literally anything. Whether you're applying to a job, whether you're in a job and you're like, oh my God, like, I don't know if I should quit my job to do a startup, which a lot of my friends recently have been talking to me about this for some odd reason. 
whether it's you thinking about creating content and you're like, oh man, I don't know if I want to pursue down the path of being a content creator. It doesn't matter because tomorrow you are in the driver's seat. Like you are the one to get that gets to make the decision of whether or not you are, you want to stick to your job or whether or not you want to find a job tomorrow. It's your decision as to whether or not you want to stop uploading content tomorrow or press upload content today. Yeah. Everything is within your control. And that's one of the biggest things. One of the biggest principles I hold to myself is I may not be able to change other, other, other things in my life, but there's one thing that I can change. It is anything that has to relate with me, how I spend my time, who I spend my time with, how much I spend my time doing certain activities. That's all things that I can control in my life. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's beautiful what you just said now. I love how you got here because I have this same question and I was going to ask you this question. So I'm glad you said it already. I think about it. I have a lot of friends that are thinking about it. Similar to you, I think just like either because we just think, you know, you just have a good, really good idea and you want to go chase the startup. Or, you know, I also know a lot of people where, you know, we wanted to get into all of these spaces and, you know, you get this job and it's just like, ah. I'm not getting what I thought I would get from this role anymore. And now you yeah. want to go try your own thing. And, you know, we talked a lot about how Sultan is successful, when Sultan is doing well, when Sultan is growing, you know, and just all the goodness that has happened. But I also want to paint a picture of how hard can it be being a founder? Like, you know, when you make this journey from, you know, Google to Sultan and like, you know, amazing Google Healthcare and Google 401k match and all that good stuff and all the perks and food in the office. Like, how yeah. hard is that founder journey compared yeah. to the other um, it's, it's tough. Like, and everyone will tell you this, but let me give you very real life examples that, that we've gone through over the past couple of years. So at, at the highest level, you have so much higher highs and so much lower lows in your job. You're getting promoted. You're like, Oh my God, that's dope. I get 30% more money. I could save more money or I could get a new apartment, whatever it's, it's dope. And maybe you, your manager gives you really harsh feedback. You're like, Oh damn, that sucks. Whatever you're feeling, that those emotions that you're feeling, just crank it up 10x, and that's essentially what it's what it feels like. Um, so let's start talking about some lows. So, for example, it's never fun to have the conversation with someone where you you just know that they're just they're just not a fit for your company. How do you have that conversation when you know that they're trying their best and but the output isn't there? Maybe that they're not able to prioritize it, but internally they think that they're prioritizing it. What if the type, what if the skill match that you had originally hired for just isn't a match there anymore? Yes. And it all falls How do you back. Have those it falls back to the decisions, right? Yeah. And that, that, that was really tough. How do you um, have difficult conversations when people come to you and they say, uh, Hey Jerry, um, I feel like the work at One Sulting has been really taxing on my personal life, and I don't know how I, I don't know how else to say this, but like, it's it's really it's really eaten into my into me as a person, and and I want to change that. How, how does anything prepare you to have those conversations? Because as a founder, like you don't you don't intentionally go and go go and, and create these environments where people don't thrive, right? Like you want the best for people and your employees, and like you you want to do right by them. But sometimes just things slip through the cracks. Maybe you were, maybe you had an off week and maybe you're trying to turn up the pressure. Maybe you just miscommunicated expectations. Maybe you don't know what it takes to get someone to finish a project and you're asking them to just bust their balls and they, the other person just doesn't know how to ex- communicate and push back yeah. to the point where 
maybe for them, it's only until the breaking point that they push that they tell you about these things. Um, so these are these are exact real examples of things that I feel like John and I had to go through, where John and I spent hours talking about like shoot this person just told me this like how do we make it better for them or does it just mean that we have to that we have to split ways and if we split ways then what does that mean for the business how what does it mean when on one month you just your revenue dropped 50 percent, and you're like fuck, like like we're not we're not making money anymore like how do we navigate this right like these are real things that for us have happened to us and thankfully Every single one of these experiences have taught us massive things of how to operate as a company. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are just some just some examples that come to mind of of things that we had to tackle that was not very easy for us. Yeah. So so Jay, I mean, right now I, I know you can see our faces, right? We we actually have like almost we are perplexed. We're perplexed, right? <laughs> but one thing I know and I've learned about you just fairly recently is that you're a mental health advocate, right? And this is a very, very tough thing to talk about or even to go through in terms of a process, right? How do you deal with this? Is there like a therapy session involved? Mm. Who do you go to to at least find some sort of a solace in and talk to? Yeah. So I think there's three things. Um, one is I make sure and I force myself to have plans with people. I force myself to spend time on things that I know will decompress me. Spending time with friends, doing activities, learning new hobbies. Those are things I force into my schedule. Okay. So that's at least a way to mitigate or manage my stress and de- de- de-stress. The second thing that I have is I have, uh, similar to how Shani and I, and Shani and I have been, doing monthly chats for two or three years now where Shetty will tell me about all the great things that he's doing, his goals. And basically I'm just there to listen to just join along the ride. Similar, similar to that. I also have mentors and people in my life who are 10, 15 years ahead of me who I talk to on a monthly basis. And I just share them what's going on day to day as a, especially in the line of work that we do is so easy for us to focus on like, shoot, there are 16 roadblocks. All right, let's focus on these five roadblocks. Awesome. We got rid of them. Cool. Now let's, now let's tackle these next roadblocks. All right, now let's keep digging. Let's keep digging. Let's dig, 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 dig. And it's very hard to remind yourself and look back and go, holy crap, look how deep these tunnels are. Like that is just because of one month of work. It's very hard to do that. So I've set up, meetings with my mentors on a regular quarterly basis, multiple of them that forces me. And they they ask me, Jerry, so what's going on? And I go, damn. So when was the last time I spoke to you a month ago? Shh, damn. Let me tell you what happened. So me physically having these checkpoints forces me to tell my mentors about the things that we've been working on. And for them, they're like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, how did you guys accomplish all that in a month? Like at Google, like that would have taken us a year, a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the third thing I always have, and I've started this maybe this year, is I have a monthly ther- therapy session with an actual licensed therapist. And I have them whether or not I'm feeling anxious or if I'm just, if I'm feeling good. Because I force myself to make sure that like, I have someone who's medically trained to ask me questions that maybe I just haven't thought about. Um, to just help basically I check in with. So those are the three ways. Decompress, 
um, mentors and a therapist. Jerry, it's interesting because I'm sure you're aware of this, but at the beginning of this year, we had a goal of just like, oh yeah, I absolutely want to get a therapist and just speak to them. And I started this year, you know, kind of did the search and it was a thing of, oh, well, things are going quite great now. You know, I have my friends, I have a good community. You know what? It's fine. I'll be all right. You know, when I need it, I'll just go back to that. But I really loved what you said about how you made the forcing function of either things are good or things are bad. You try to talk to this person. They don't have to be a resource only when things are horrible. So now I have to go revive that goal and make sure we hit it 100%. But thanks for sharing that. That was was awesome. Anyways, I think... We could, we could have you for the rest of the day and talk about some of the amazing <laughs> topics and you won't be able to go anywhere because this is just great. But we do have to let you go. You know, We already appreciate everything that you've kind of shared. We want to close out with just one question, a question that I personally hate myself, but you know, <laughs> I have a lot of asking is, you know, we've talked about, you know, young Jerry, we've talked about, you know, Jerry four years ago, three years ago, you know, Jerry, how life is going now. When you yeah. think about jerry two years or five years from now what do you envision retired chilling on a beach you know we just sold one sultan you know we're, we're chilling i'm on a yacht i'm we have this live you know no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey no kidding here man we're taking it there <laughs> that's not a bad option at all of <laughs> uh, five years from now i think the the question that i always ask myself um, to make sure that like I'm just doing the right things is if money weren't an option tomorrow, how would I be spending my time? And my answer today is I would change very, very little things about my life. Mm-hmm. I think I am 90 in a lot of ways. I view myself as being already retired because this is exactly what I would be doing today. If money didn't matter in five years, I hope that my answer will still, still stay the same. Damn. Mm-hmm. Ex- what I'm doing when I'm, five years ahead now, it is exactly what I would be doing if money didn't matter. So that to me is what I what I hope. I don't know where that's going to be, whether I'm still working on one salting, whether I've left, whether I'm even creating content, whether I'm, you know, still doing startups, maybe I go back to corporate for some reason. I don't know. Whatever that ans- whatever those answers are, I just hope that the answer to that question still stays the same. Am I, if money weren't an option, how would I be spending my time? exactly the same that's that's what i hope to be beautiful that's a that's that's amazing you know i'll i'll let what it was hold out but this was i'm still processing that last question right i'm still i'm still putting that in my head so i think that's one that everyone should take away but i mean jerry thank you so much guys today you got to hear about jerry the founder jerry the doer Jerry, the the lucky he he always says he's the lucky guy, right? But he's truly a hard worker. And now you know Jerry the philosopher. So Jerry, thank you so much for gracing us with your presence. And I mean, it's been amazing just sitting down, talking to you, chatting things up with you. Uh people, thoughts and transitions is here to stay. And we're gonna be back here with so much more. If you want to catch us and listen to more of this podcast please tap in on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere that you get your podcast and you get a chance to listen. Once again, thank you, thank you. Shani, anything else? Nothing else. If I speak, we're going to have Jerry for the day. <laughs> <laughs>
We'll see you on the next one. All right. Thank Bye. you guys. I appreciate Thank you guys. You. Bye.